Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And, well, we don't have Tom Dorian with us today. I've got Doug Rakulski, though. Doug, how you doing? It's great to be here. You know, it's always sad when, when Tom can't be here. Now, today we need to send out a little prayer for his mom, Gloria. We'd ask the Lord to send his holy angels, dispatch them to be at her side to help her, uh, to help her find healing and find peace. Uh, so it's a... Tough t- thing, Tom's not here, so say a prayer for Tom and his family. But uh, we're going to carry on, and we got a great show today. And I'll be honest with you, um, it's an interesting show because it was sort of born out of sitting at Mass. You know, have you ever sat at Mass, and you're sort of listening to the priest give their homily, or the deacon, and you're actually sitting there listening to the Scripture, you know, being proclaimed, and then you hear the homily, and you think, what would I talk about? But I talk about this, and maybe your mind wanders. And that's not always a good thing, but I think sometimes the Holy Spirit allows your mind to wander. That's to, the point, I think, sometimes. Sometimes it is, but, you know, you're supposed to be listening to the homily. But, and I'm not saying that the homily's bad. Maybe it's just something triggers something in your mind, and all of a sudden you start thinking, I wonder if he's going to go here with this, because this is where I would go. You know, and I did that the other day. I was not actually giving the homily. I proclaimed the gospel, and um, so I thought, you know, maybe... What I, the Holy Spirit was telling me to do was, well, let's do a radio show on that particular passage. And here we are. And here we are. So let's do that. So I'll, I'll, we were um, in, at Mass, we were in um, the Gospel of Mark, and we were in that first chapter. And so in the first chapter of Mark, starting at verse 21, Mark tells us this. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogues was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him, and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. And so I was listening to that scripture, and then the priest started talking, and suddenly my mind started wandering. I don't know why, and maybe it's not a good thing. Maybe I shouldn't be admitting this, Doug. (laughs) Do you do that ever at at Mass? Does your mind wander? I cannot confirm nor deny yeah okay well, he's taking the fifth right here on in, in the luxurious corner booth but i you know i started thinking about this scripture and i love to read scripture a couple of times and sort of sort of delve into just like little uh, what would seemingly be nuances or maybe even imperceptible uh details and little little phrases that get used and i think well Maybe this is where the Holy Spirit wants me to sort of dwell for a second. And there's a couple of those in here that really stood out to me as something that needed to be talked about, something that was important in my own life. And maybe, who knows, the, the listeners to the Catholic Cafe think, will think they're important as well. But 
one of the first things that struck me was when Jesus is in the synagogue and he's teaching, and then this line happens. The people were astonished at his teaching. Okay, so they were amazed. They were astonished. Something was different. They were taken aback. They stopped and listened, and their mouths were probably open. Now, we don't know what he said specifically, right? We don't know what he was teaching, but, they, but what, they were, what were they astonished about? Says, he, he taught them as one having authority. And then this is, the, this is the little sort of nuanced phrase that's sort of tucked in there by Mark. Not as the scribes. Now, think about that for a second. So here, usually, the scribes are teaching them, Right? And the people are listening, and they're kind of like going, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And their I can minds imagine. are wandering. Well, I would, exactly. <laughs> but I would imagine that now they're suddenly hearing Jesus teach with authority, but not as the scribes. You know, and that's interesting because that tells you right off the bat that they even recognize that the scribes have no authority. Right. Right. Although the scribes might disagree. <laughs> I'm sure they you do. You know, and I'd be, I would I'd venture to say that, you know, the reason why Jesus, one of the reasons why Jesus was put to death was because they saw him as a threat. Sure. They had something good going on here. The scribes, the Pharisees, you know, they, they had something good. They were kind of running things. And I'm not saying they were all bad men. I'm just saying that they kind of got bound up in the law and bound up in the teaching and bound up in their teaching authority and not knowing, realizing where that authority came from. And Jesus is calling them out, I think, on several occasions. I think too, so. Right? And, and then here they're seeing the, the seat of authority. They're seeing the source of the authority is being standing there before them teaching, and they recognize that. You know, and that's actually a difficult thing for us, I think, even in this day and age, and why this is still such an important uh, gospel for us and why it rings true even today, 2,000 years later. Because I think most of us have a problem with authority, don't we? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's amazing to me how often I am going to tell everybody what I think about something. Right. And, and especially here in the United States of America, I know we have lots of international listeners and it may be the same in your countries. But I know in America, we're really big on rights, personal you know, rights, personal too. rights. I got the right. Me, I you know, I don't have to listen to this. I don't have to take this. I don't have to do this. You can't tell me that. Right. And we really, you know, we've, we're, we're given rights through our we'll say through our government and through the documents like our Constitution. And yet we don't. Even the Constitution recognizes it, right? Our, our forefathers um, recognized where the authority came from, right? Given to us by our creator, right? And, and yet we forget that a lot. Inalienable rights. And we stop and we think for a second and that we're the ones that are... And, and what do we do when we don't like something? Right? We leave. We, we, vote, we vote with our feet or we vote with our wallets. Both. I don't like what Father said, so I'm not going to pay for this. I'm not going to give them my monthly whatever my weekly you know and a lot of times that will happen or i'm going to go down the road to that other building yeah that makes me feel a little more comfortable that that's more <laughs> like what i like right and that may be true and, and and i guess sometimes we have a problem with authority but it's not just in religion it's not just in our in our our parishes it's it's our entire attitudes a lot of times i i, I remember super bowl 49 and that famous last play <laughs> right, that where the Seattle Seahawks are playing the Patriots and the Seahawks, their last. I mean, on that Super Bowl Sunday, it looked like the Seahawks now had it in their grasp. Victory was theirs, and all they had to do, they were on the one yard line, seal the deal. What was it? Forty seconds left on the clock, or whatever. One one yard line, first and goal, 
uh, or second goal, and what are they going to do? And uh, they throw a pass play. And I remember the discussion that night and also all the next day and all the next week. Up to today. I what is what morning. is what is everybody <laughs> saying? What a stupid call. Right. And, and, and so right off that, we're all suddenly uh, armchair quarterbacks. We're all the, we, we have authority. Now, I will be honest with you. That was a stupid call. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love that I'm a Patriots fan. So. Yeah, well, good, good for you, uh, and I'm, I'm glad your team won. But I guess the point is we, we look at something, and, and we always know better. Always. Now, I will say, again, we, we were probably right on that one. Well. Yeah, but that's not the point. It just it highlighted this idea that how many armchair quarterbacks there are out there, not just for football, for every other thing, right? We, politics, how things are going at our work. You know, how many people sit around in their workplace and they basically gripe? Right and complain about leadership and about what you know, and yet they're not necessarily stepping up to do that. And I guess it's all part of this not rec- having a problem with authority, right, and ignoring the authority of the other person whose opinion might be different from yours. That's right, and refusing to be uh, either guided by it, transformed by it. We make it about us, right? Instead yeah. of being open to it, sometimes. Exactly. And so, and then, see, this is where my wa- mind was wandering when I was reading this scripture, and I started thinking about, man, we, we have a problem with authority. And ultimately, we don't necessarily even understand that all authority comes from God. Just like all mercy comes from God, all love comes from God, all joy, all happiness, all hope comes from God. God is a source of this, right? All that is positive, all that is good flows from God. And we don't always give him the credit. And when it comes to authority, you know, and I, I know that human beings can ignore the authority of God and they can sort of, just like the scribes might have done it, and what these people in the synagogue recognized, that here was one who recognized where authority truly came from. And he preached and taught with that authority and that that was powerful. And I know that there are human beings now in our lives that will claim authority for themselves, right? And they will get, they'll be drawn into uh um, uh, the lure of, of of power, right, and that will become their sort of sin, their obsession uh, to be uh, to, to lord over people, and, and and it's an unfortunate thing. But the reality is, we have to recognize that authority is given to us as a gift, and that we care for it, but we are supposed to be true to it, and abide by it, and respect it, right? What you were telling me earlier, G.K. Chesterton had a great quote. Yeah, specifically about Catholicism. He said it's the, the audacious belief that somebody knows more than you do. Isn't that amazing? How you know, true is he, that? He was always had such simple statements, and they're so powerful. Yeah, it just hammers home. Oh, gee, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, and so in this idea that there's something greater than ourselves, there's something bigger than us, that's hard for us to think because it's always sure. all about me. You know, if you lived in the 70s, you lived in the me decade. <clears throat> you know, have it your way. Just do it. All <laughs> these slogans were written in the 70s when it was all about me. Me, 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 me. You know, and, and, and that's a, it's still a constant struggle, even though we might say it. And, you know, I think we've never given more to charities in this day and age. We've never uh, uh, done more for uh, building hospitals for, and, and helping the homeless. And these are things that are important. And we continue to do them as a people of God. And yet, still... When it comes down to it, it's really hard for us to... We, we wrestle with this idea of why we're doing those things. It makes us feel good, but do we recognize that it's really out of God's graciousness that we're doing these things? 
and, and in the same way that we are being formed, are we truly allowing ourselves to be formed by his authority? It just struck me the, the the message of divine mercy speaks to that. People forget, Jesus, I trust in you. Yeah. If we respect the authority of God, we will trust him. Yeah, if trust. Choose, it's like your parents, you know. Yes. Your mom doesn't want you to touch the hot stove when you're a child, but you want to play. Do you trust that what she's telling you is right? That's you know, right. You, you don't eat candy every meal, you know, when you're a kid. My kids your love mother to. tells you so. That's so right. Mine. And trust, but and trust is basically a recognition of authority, exactly, and a willingness right. to true. abide by it, and a willingness to be transformed by it, to be guided by it, to be enlightened by it. Very powerful stuff. Well, we have more to talk about here with authority when we get back right after this. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Peter Julian Amard was born in a small town in France in 1811, and from his childhood days he felt a calling to serve God as a priest in the Catholic Church. But St. Amard's road to the priesthood was not to be an easy one. Anti-clericalism was rampant in French society in the early 1800s, and on top of that, the Amard family was poor. His father, reluctant to give his blessing to his only son's desired vocation, finally allowed him to enter the seminary to study for the priesthood. Unfortunately, St. Amard had to leave the seminary due to serious health issues, but he never gave up on God's call. He finally finished seminary after overcoming many obstacles and was ordained a priest in 1834. St. Amard, despite his ill health, was a surprisingly energetic and enthusiastic priest. He had a strong devotion to Mary, the Mother of God, and enjoyed traveling throughout France to various Marian shrines. He joined the Marist Fathers in 1839 and started immediately preaching, writing, offering spiritual direction, educating, and organizing. He eventually became provincial of his Marist order. St. Amard never waned in his love of Mary and in his belief in Christ's real presence in the Most Blessed Sacrament, which was encountering a resurgence of devotion in France at the time. He took this opportunity to found a new order, the Congregation of the Blessed Sacrament, still active today. This order was known for its devotion to Eucharistic adoration and for preaching about the gift of Jesus' presence among us in the Eucharist. The Congregation of the Blessed Sacrament encountered many difficulties along the way. The fathers and the brothers of the order took a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience to the bishop, and times were tough. Nevertheless, their persistent faith in Christ protected them and provided all that they needed to survive and to do their work. St. Amard and his order were very effective in fostering love and reverence for the Blessed Sacrament. They prepared young adults for First Holy Communion, preached at Eucharistic devotional liturgies, and were very effective in reaching out to fallen away Christians and bringing them back to the church. St. Amard went on to found a second order, an order of women religious called the Servants of the Blessed Sacrament. While this order performs numerous acts of charity and outreach, the Sister Servants of the Blessed Sacrament find their devotion centered on adoring Christ in the Eucharist. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. 
And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with Doug Grakulski, and we, Dougie G, are talking about authority. We just read the gospel according to Mark, and we're, Jesus is in the synagogue, and he's, he's teaching with authority. You know, I, I, would, I would stop for a second and mention something I think is important. We're talking about how, how difficult it is for us, and I say us, but all human beings, but especially some of us who, uh, who have lived a life a sort of a privilege, or we might take, take you know, uh, for granted the things that we have, the gifts, the freedoms that we have, and um, how difficult it is for us to, um, to live in authority, to be under someone's authority, and to recognize authority. And I think it's interesting and very telling that in this gospel passage, that the man who is um, possessed or, or has these unclean spirits, that, interesting, he, he cries out and says, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And that tells me that even the devil knows who Jesus is. Even God knows the authority. I'm sorry, even the devil knows God's authority is what I meant to say. And, and the important thing here is that when Jesus says, quiet, come out of him, there's no discussion. There's no negotiation. Right. There's no refusal. Now, there may be a little bit of grumbling on the way out. <laughs> you know, like when you're, Yeah, when your kids, you tell them to clean the room, they're like, rah, 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 rah. you know, as they're going to their room, they go and do it. Right? And they may grumble on the way. And that's what happened when this man convulses as that evil spirit unclean spirit comes out of him right and and basically jesus says quiet come out of him and he listens but the devil knows who god is and recognizes his authority and it's interesting how difficult it is for us to do that even the devil can do it and and we struggle with recognizing jesus's authority in our life in fact you know i i thought it'd be good for us this second half of this show to talk a little about where do we find this authority? I mean, it's not often. I mean, the last time we were in our um, our mass, I don't remember Jesus walking in, you know, in his tunic and sandals and that nice beard and say, hey, I want to teach you today. Now, if that does happen, I'm coming. That's aw- awesome. Me. Now, we'll say we have the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, that he, he's present at every mass in the most profound body, blood, soul, and divinity way. And also he's present in those the, the living word that's that's preached, that's taught, that's read, proclaimed there, right? Christ is present to us. And also especially in, in, in the, the the priest, he's in persona Christi, he's in the person of Christ. So Jesus really is there. And also Jesus is there with us in that gathering of the of his people where two or more are gathered the in his name. Body of Christ. There am I in the midst of uh, the body of Christ, exactly. So Jesus is there, but but not in the way that where they experienced him here in the synagogue. Right, and it's hard for us to see that, but the but the reality is, it's the same. We don't actually. we don't yeah. So where do we find that authority? How can we hear that authority today? Well, he you know he left us a church. That's the, exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that authority. And that's what G.K. Chesterton was talking about when he talks about something that's bigger than us. Right. When he's saying Catholicism is that the, the audaciousness or audacity of recognizing that there's something bigger than you and me. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, understanding that when Jesus founded that church on the rock of St. Peter, you are Peter on this rock. I will, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth, you bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When he says those things to Peter, 
I mean, that's, that's, that's profound. That's so profound that at St. Peter's Basilica, those, those words are written, you know, they're what, eight feet tall. In stone. In, up in the, uh, in, in the cupola, that big dome on the inside of the dome, those words are written there. That's how important and how impactful they are to the Catholic Church and our understanding of church and the authority of church. So Jesus Christ's living authority is the church. And that's, that's hard for a lot of people to grapple with. We have people arguing with the church all the time with their teachings and saying, well, I, I, I'm Catholic, but I don't really go along with this. Or I think yeah, this. Right. And I want a church that does this, so I need to look for a church that more fits me, suits me like, a, like, a, like I'm looking shopping for clothes. Right. right. And so this can be a, this can be a challenge, but that's really our lack of recognizing the authority of God when we distance ourselves from the teachings of the church. And, but and also, the, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but and that authority is for us. Oh, yes. It's for our oh, good. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. The, the church, church is not teaches. lording over us. Yeah. Jesus doesn't want to do us damage. In the, in the sense that. Right. In the sense that lording could be a negative thing. The church is lording over us in the sense that Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Wants right, us to be with him forever. Exactly and right. That's the point of and, all this. And that the church is that that the seat of all grace, that that place where we go to receive the sacraments and and and, and such. So her teachings, um, the magisterium, the teaching magisterium of the church, right? The the, the pope and um, the primacy of Peter, but the primacy of 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 that first among equals, the um, the, the pope, papal infallibility, the pope in union with the bishops. You know, all the documents that are promulgated by Holy Mother Church, these, this is where authority is, is, is given to us today. Right. You know, now, and flowing from that church, right, we have ultimate authority as well. We have sacred scripture, right? That, was, that flowed from the church. It didn't exist until the church said, with our authority, <laughs> this, these are the teachings of Christ. That's right. They here gathered the together. The bishops got, the church got the together church. and said, here are the, the authentic authoritative, divinely inspired words that we will adhere to from from now until the end of time, till Christ comes again. Right. Right. The canon is closed. Right. Well, the church decided that. So the scripture flows out of the church. Yes, it's the words of Christ. Yes, they're inspired by God. But so is the church inspired and protected by the Holy Spirit. That's right. Right. And so also sacred tradition. We discount sacred tradition so much, and we'll talk about people, we'll talk about you know, distancing themselves from human tradition and man-made traditions and all these things. And yet we understand that if Christ instituted this church and what that church taught, what that church did, how that church acted, if that was divinely inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus himself, well, then everything that the church teaches, everything the church does, if it flows from the heart of the church, is authority. There it's authoritative. Go. It's true. And people confuse sometimes, you know, fallible humans in the church mm-hmm. with the teachings of the church. Yes. Those are two totally separate things. Yes, we are all, the, all humans are fallible. Last time I checked, uh, you know, college football teams, police departments, they do some pretty bad stuff sometimes. Yeah, even though they have an authority. But they have right? authority. Exactly right. So, um, exactly right. So, you know, the church, her teachings, magisterium, papal infallibility, documents, obviously scripture, sacred tradition. But there's another one I want to talk about, where we find God's authority. And this is one that you have to kind of crack open your catechism and read a little bit on. But the idea and the understanding that, that God lovingly crafted you, right? Each one of us was created in his identity, in his image and likeness, right? Each of us was, was beautifully created by God. 
And his law is written upon our hearts. He imbued it in all of us. And, right? and, and if you his, because you know, you, it's, it's amazing to me how you can, you can suddenly sense something is wrong, right? You, you have that innate ability to go, I know this is wrong. And that you actually have to overcome that, that feeling in order to go ahead and do the sin, to do the wrong thing. You know, I, I, you know, when people commit adultery, when people steal, when people lie, and, and, you know, if I've told a lie, and I'm going to admit, I, I have, uh, I've told a lie before. It, hey. was, it was one time. I was very young. Very, but, just, just once. <laughs> yeah. Just once. But the point is, when you do something like that, <clears throat> excuse me, you, you feel it. And, that, and that's universal. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a, a, a Christian or a Muslim or a Jew or, or an us. atheist. We, we know intrinsically right and wrong. Which is why you can, if, even if you divorced yourself from God and said there was no God, why there, a society would still sort of gravitate to the good. Why is that? Why, you know, why murder would be wrong, why stealing would be wrong, while, why personal rights would be, you know, inherently pr- should Correct. be protected and good. Sure. And, and this is the law of God that's written on our hearts. Now, we know it in its, in its fullness, and it's come to fruition. We understand the religious context. We understand the theological context and w- that God wrote this law in our hearts. And, and so the- our, our church speaks of conscience, that, you know, a well-formed conscience trumps all. That's it, but it's got to be well formed. Well, then you you know you, you, the you hit on those, those those key <laughs> words. Well formed. How many people go through this life with an improperly formed conscience, and they make poor decisions, and they say, "Yeah, but I prayed about it, and my conscience told me it was okay to use contraception, or it was okay to commit adultery, or it was okay to to have relations outside of marriage, or whatever." People convince themselves of these things because they think they felt like it's they were called to, but I guarantee they wrestled with it. Feelings. Right? Yeah, exactly. Feelings. More. Exactly. And it can be difficult. And that's why a well-formed conscience, um, properly formed by the church uh, and openness to God's promptings, is, is, is one that would guide us and where the law of God would be lived out in our lives. So there is authority here on this earth. And there's authority that, yes, the devil still recognizes this authority, and we need to come to recognize that authority and realize, as G.K. Chesterton said, is that there is something greater, bigger than us in our lives, and that is church. That is authority. That's God's authority, living authority here um, on this earth. And that's something that it, it's countercultural. Right. It's it, countercultural. And then going deeper and knowing that if, even there's something you don't agree with, that the, say that the church teaches, go deeper and understand yeah. that it's Pray. for you. Yeah, exactly. It's for you. That's right. It's out of love. Well, let's love Holy Mother Church and let's thank God for Holy Mother Church. And we'll do that in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've given us, especially the gift of Holy Mother Church our guiding star and source of the graces you desire to lavish on each of us as we journey to you. Keep us always in her holy embrace. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.